0: Come on, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. You may be seated. Oh, where are my notes? Good morning. You're looking great on this wonderful Jersey Sunday. This seems super loud up here to me. Is it loud to you? Yeah, it's way too loud. Um, Anyway, uh, you guys doing well this morning? On Jersey Sunday? um, I see many of you are in your jerseys. Uh, Some of you have this very awkward um, ember of hell color, orange, but that's okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, We need to be reminded where we don't want to go. From time to time. So anyway, so <laughs> so glad that you're here. The Lord sent an Aggie to be the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was, that was pretty amazing, actually. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. How many of you here are rooting for the Rams today? The Rams... This side of the auditorium is for the Rams. Okay, how many of you are here for the Patriots like me? Yes. No? Okay. Listen, we're not going to win with that kind of attitude, guys. You got to get excited. I saw some of you raise your hand like, ah, oh, man. Been there, done that, bought the jersey. Um, yeah, no, so I'm excited. I, I am voting for the Patriots. Voting. hope they count my votes because I really want the Patriots. I, I am rooting for the Patriots. The Patriots are going to win. The Lord told me and not really, not really. He didn't. So if they lose, don't be like, he's a false prophet. Um, I'm just praying that the Patriots win. Now, honestly, to be real honest, I don't really have a dog in the fight, to be honest. However, Carrie's family's from the Northeast, and there are a whole lot of people that I really, really, really love that are really, really rooting for the Patriots. And for that reason, I'm a bit inclined to lean towards the Patriots. I've been up to the Northeast. I I actually like L.A. better, the city, than Northeast. But the people in Northeast, you can't deny, they're incredible people. And so, anyway, I'm voting for the Patriots. Pretty certain they're going to win after all we've got Tom Brady. So let's see. Yesterday, we went on a homeless outreach, downtown Austin. Several of you went and it was, it was super incredible. And I, I always love those moments, you know, um, because you kind of connect. What happens is you, you go there and you, you kind of talk with many people, but there's just one or two that the Lord really lays on your heart and you're like, oh man, I just, I want to be praying for that person, you know? And for me, it's this guy named Michael and he's taller than me. He's about six two, I think. And we were talking and yeah, he's got some challenges he's trying to overcome. He's got some addictions he's he's working on. And, um. And I just I felt the Lord's heart for him so strong when I was talking and kind of we kind of went off from the group, as did many of the other people that went. They found that person and just really poured into them. And, and so hopefully I'll be seeing Michael tomorrow around 1130 a.m. Uh, I want to continue that relationship and connect him to healing in this addiction process. And so please be praying for he and I uh, tomorrow. And not just he and I, but everyone that went yesterday uh, to downtown Austin for this homeless outreach. It was just an incredible opportunity. So I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do. I, I asked you not to stand for the reading of God's Word only because I'm going to jump around a bit. Normally, I like to do a block of text and I'll kind of unpack that for you as we're preaching. But today, I'm going to jump around. If that's right, I don't have my full time today, but I'm going to do the best that I can do is, and speak quick. And you're going to write quick and I just believe that God is the God of the now, and he knows exactly what you need right now. And so I'm just praying that even if I don't hit all of my notes, that God is going to deliver and impart to you exactly what you need for now. Amen? Amen. We talked about uh, the five core values, and I'm going to talk about one of them today. But in your notes, if you'll just fill out the first four, we'll go through the E-E-R-S-S. Real quick, and it's excellence, evangelism, relationships, stewardship, and servanthood. Servanthood is what I want to focus on today and talk to you about today, because I, I believe that the Jesus is the greatest of all time in the area of serving other people. So, Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in in the life of of our church. God, just watching you move in first service and watching you move already in second service, I'm I'm just sensing that you're really wanting to make yourself known in a new way to your people. The same God, the same God, not not a new God, the same God, but a new way. And I, I ask, Father, that we would just stand with Hands open, hearts open to receive all that you are today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chad. You know, um, a year or two ago, I got a call from my son Micah. He's twenty-three, and he lives in Australia. Are you sure he's twenty-three? I felt like he's twenty-four. No, twenty-three. Um, so he's twenty-three. And he lives in Australia, and I got a call from him, and he's like, hey, Dad, what are you doing? And I said, oh, nothing. What, why? And he goes, you're on your computer, aren't you? And I'm like, why do you say that? Because, Dad, you're always on your computer. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not always on my computer. What are you talking about? And was like, Dad, I lived there for like, 2 decades almost and every time I call you you're working and you're on your computer and I'm like whatever man you you don't even know what you're talking about like that's not me who are you talking to so I get off the phone and I start thinking man it kind of stinks you know like I don't I don't want to be known as the guy who is so committed to the computer I want to be known as the guy that's committed to my kids a guy that's committed to spending time with my wife a guy that is committed to spending time with other people. Do you know Do you know what I mean? I had become known by my kids as always being on the computer. Luis is laugh, laughing because he either does it or his wife does it and he's trying to make a point. I don't know. Luis, it's you. Okay, he, you feel the pain. I, I just don't want to be known like that. But my question to you is, what is it that you're always doing? There's something that you're always doing like you will be known at the end of your life for this thing because you're always doing it. What is it that you are always doing for some of us we're always encouraging. Some of us are always griping. Some of us are always finding fault. Some of us are always finding the good. Some of us are always working. Some of us are always working out. Some of us are always scrolling through Instagram. Some of us are always Facebook stalking, right? What, what is it that you're always doing? I, I bet that if we just look at what you're always doing, we could write a pretty good paragraph about who you are as a person and how the world sees you as a person because a lot of self comes out in our actions. It's true. It's true. I'm sorry. You you can't be a kind person but do unkind things. You can't be a loving person and do unloving things. You can't be a patient person and always telling everyone to hurry up. You can't be a gentle person and always screaming at the top of your lungs. You can't be a person with self-control but never having any self-control because what you do reflects who you are. Can I get an amen from everybody? Like from all the teens who always obey their parents, and you always do the dishes right the first time and you always make your bed. Like what you do shows that you're a great kid. Can I get an amen from the front row? They're looking at each other. Do you do that? Ourself is not defined by what we do, but what we do is a reflection of who we are. Let's make no mistake about it. It is impossible for you and I to say that we trust God, yet not tithe. It is impossible for you and I to believe in a God that heals, yet not pray for someone that's crippled. Like, it is impossible for you and I to say we are followers of Jesus Christ, we have surrendered our life and our will to him, yet we constantly are fulfilling our own selfish desires and the things that we want to do in life. That is incongruent. If what we do is incongruent with what we say We are, the reality is, what we do wins out. That's why faith without works is dead, because what we do impacts what we say we believe. What is it that you're always doing? Are you always sleeping? Always taking a nap? If you're like me this morning, always hitting the snooze button? What is it that you're always doing? This this matters because we, we need to identify what we're always doing so we have some kind of indication of who we are. Self. Our, our culture is all about, um, let's see, being self-reliant, self-centered, self-gratifying, and self-promoting, especially in this culture we live with social media. Is, isn't it all about self-promotion? Good grief. We know you didn't wake up looking like that. (sighs) Woke up like this. No. It took you two hours and four spins, 360 degrees, to find the right lighting to look like that in your photo. We know you did not wake up looking like that. But we want to self-promote because we want to look like we've got it all together all the time. I know. I've been there too. If you Google actually self-promoting, you can find several interesting articles. Not that I'm recommending it, but a few that I found. The art of self-promotion. Did you know there's an art to it? That's right. That's right. You want to grow up and be an artist? Be a self-promoter. There's an art to self-promotion. Another one is Forbes says self-promotion is a skill. So now we work on the skill and we become so good at self-promoting that we promote the fact that we're good at self-promoting. My favorite one, 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk. Isn't that awesome? I I saw this study, um, the most common career for teenagers. 54% of teenagers in our culture. If you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, here's what it is: a celebrity. A celebrity. They just want to. They just want to make bank from who they are, not what they do. Are you with me? Like uh, Paris Hilton, what does she do? That's what they want to be. They want to be a celebrity. They want to be Insta-famous. They want to be YouTube-famous. They just they want to be a celebrity, not because they really have a skill or a craft, but just because they want to be in the limelight, and they want to make money because I'm all that and a bag of... Do they still say chips? Chips. I want to be a celebrity. I love, though, that this is not Jesus' model for becoming great. It's not tooting your own horn. It's not like making yourself look great with all of these filters. You want to become great, here's what you do. You serve other people. Matthew 23, says, the greatest among you will be your servant. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And I want to talk for a little bit I suppose today, at a few people who did the right things, who it was an overflow of who they were. There's, there's one woman in Scripture, actually, um, that I want to talk about. I want to go to Acts chapter 9, verse 36. I think this woman is a f- fantastic example. It says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. Let me just stop right here, okay? Because I need to address this whole Dorcas business, all right? Um, first of all, you know that your parents probably don't like you if they name you Dorcas. Or they believe in you an awful lot. Or they think that God is so big, we're going to make everything, like, insurmountable. We're going to call her Dorcas and just see how successful she is, right? Dorcas. We don't know a lot about Dorcas. We do know that Dorcas, in the Greek, it actually means gazelle. So she's probably beautiful. She's probably, like, way hot. (laughs) Dorcas (laughs) was beautiful. Isn't that funny? You ever seen, like, a a really, really nice-looking person and then have just the weirdest voice? Do you know what I mean? Or like this dude, really muscular dude that walks in, and you think he's just going to sound like, oh. And he's like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Dorcas was absolutely beautiful. We don't know much about her, but here's what we do know about her. She was always doing good and helping the poor. When I asked you earlier, what are you always doing? This is what Dorcas was doing. She was always doing good and helping the poor. In fact, she was always doing that so much that when she died, God sent Peter to raise, resurrect her from the dead because she was always doing good and helping the poor. And when Peter resurrected her from the dead to continue doing what she had always done, revival broke out in her town. How, how cool would that be to think about, hey, You know, I know you died, but what you've always done is too valuable to the kingdom. I just can't let you go yet. I got to do a little something to resurrect you, to bring you back, because what you carry, what is on your life is so critical and important in this age, in this day, in this time, that I can't let you go yet. What is it that you're always doing? There are three ways that you and I can easily become a faithful servant. These are simple ways that really just want to give you a picture today, three separate pictures of how you can be a faithful servant. Number one is bring a lunch, number two is offer a ride, and number three is carry a towel. Number one, bring a lunch. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, you can read this for yourself. You know, David was a warrior. David was a mighty man of God. He was a mighty warrior. He was a man after God's own heart. He won many battles. How many of you have heard of David? He's kind of a big deal in Scripture. If you've not heard it, look him up. He's kind of a big deal in Scripture. He's won a lot of battles along the way. When he would come home from war, actually... His family and his friends and his neighbors would be, you know, in the town just celebrating and singing David's name saying, David, you're so amazing. Look what you have done. I'm so glad that you're home. I'm still waiting for the day that my wife and my kids meet me in my driveway as I come home from church. And they sing, Trey, you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. Who knows? That might happen today. But I'm guessing not. That's what happened to David. He he was truly a mighty man. But we we see in 1 Samuel, actually, some would say that he's so great because he won so many wars. But I would say he's so great because he brought a lunch. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, Jesse, his dad, told his son David, to take grain and 10 loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. His older brothers were fighting in the war, and David, before he ever stepped foot on the battlefield, to be a mighty. Man of God and a mighty warrior. He was bringing a lunch. He was a servant to his brothers, to the people on the the battlefield. David became great not because of his skill in fighting. David became great not because of his skill in leadership. David became great not because he could rally a group of people. David became great because he knew how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and bring someone a lunch. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. The things which you feel like are no big deal very well may be your proving ground of greatness. The, the fact that the things that you do that nobody sees, and I know people are up at this church all throughout the week and they're vacuuming carpets and they're cleaning toilets and they're doing all, they're entering data on the computer. They're doing, they're doing things that none of us see, but the reality is they're preparing room for greatness. Bring a lunch. Maybe you and I, if we want to learn to serve better, we need to learn how to pack a lunch. Number two. Offer a ride. Offer a ride. In Luke chapter nineteen, if you were to read verses twenty nine through thirty four, Jesus sends um, his disciples ahead a village, to a village ahead of him, and he says, "Hey, I want you to go there and find a donkey. Go find a donkey." Um, Some 553 years prior, a prophet had prophesied that the Messiah would come riding in on a donkey. Now, you have to understand just how ridiculous this is. A donkey. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, like the Messiah of the entire galaxy is going to ride a donkey. Now we would expect, if I just kind of move that into today's vernacular, we would kind of expect that the king of kings would come in on a stretch limo. Right? But to say he's coming in on a donkey is not to say he's coming in on a stretch limo. It's to say he's coming in on a moped. Could, could you imagine? Imagine. Like, I don't know who the... Greatest of all time. Many many of our teenagers, they just want to be the goat, right? Greatest of all time. Who's the greatest of all time right now that you can think of? Shout out a celebrity. Tom Brady. All right, let's imagine. Let's just imagine greatest of all time, the goat, Tom Brady. Uh, he was coming to the exchange church. Could you imagine him coming up here on roller skates? I actually could. Yeah, I could. Bad example. Tom, Tom Brady is so awesome he can do anything he wants. Um. Let's say a popular actor. Steve who? Steve Harvey. He's my man, Steve Harvey. Can you imagine? Steve Harvey would show up here in a stretch of the mow, his suit, looking on. You, know, you guys know who Steve Harvey is, yeah? Right. Could you imagine him riding a mo- moped that would every time he hit a speed bump would sputter? Could you imagine that? No. But the prophecy said that the king of kings, the Messiah was gonna come in on a donkey. And so Jesus sends these people ahead and says, hey, I want you to go to this town. There's gonna be a donkey waiting there. And I want you to let him know that the Lord needs the donkey. So they get there and this guy doesn't even know what's going on. He just says, hey, if the Lord needs it, take it. Now, this is a new donkey. This is a low mileage donkey. It's not like worn out hooves donkey. This is a brand new, never been ridden donkey. Like it's the top of the line moped donkey. And the guy says, just take it. If the Lord needs it, take it. Maybe you and I can learn to be more of a servant with just a yes Lord, take it attitude. Just take it. I know that. I know that you want to set my future on the fact that I stutter and I can't talk and you want me to go before a king and you want me to talk about people coming free. I don't know, just, but but Lord, if you said it, just take it, just use it. Lord, I know I'm not strong and I'm I'm hiding and I'm threshing wheat and I'm hiding from everybody because I don't feel like I'm strong enough to do any of this. I just want to run, I'm fearful. But Lord, if you said you can use me, just take it. God, I know. I know my past. I know that I've been raped. I know that I've had an abortion. I know that I've had five divorces. I know that I've been so insecure. I've been in counseling for years. I know all of this. I know all of this. Well, guess what? God knew it too when he sent for you. We always want to create these stipulations like, God, you can't use me because. And God says, I'm using you because. Offer a ride. Whatever the Lord wants to use in your life, just say yes. Stop putting so many if, then, else statements on the coding of your life. Just say yes. Offer a ride. The next way you and I can be a servant is to carry a towel. Carry a towel. You want to be a goat, greatest of all time? Bible tells us how we, we carry a towel. In, in scripture, the disciples are eating with Jesus just before the crucifixion, and they're all there talking, chit-chatting, and you know, custom was that If you come over to my house, I'm going to say, hey, Tony, I'm going to take your coat. I'm going to take your purse. I'm going to sit it in the other room, right? And, and you say, oh, thank you. And th- they did that, and Travis comes over if I were to follow biblical customs, Travis would come over. I say, "Hey, hey, Travis! I'll take your, I'll take your cap and I'll take your jacket and bro, kick off your shoes. I'm going to give you a pedicure." Right? That's what they would do. They would clean the feet of people that came into their home because they wore sandals and their feet were dirty. But the host wouldn't do it. The server would do it. And so it's not. Coincidence that Jesus finds himself the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the beginning and the end. He finds himself with a towel strapped around his waist, the one taking the place of a servant to wash the feet of his disciples. And his disciples were saying, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. But he knew that the pathway to greatness was that of Surrender. They're sitting there at the the table and I just imagine them talking. You know what they're talking about, right? At the table, at this dinner, while Jesus is about to wash their feet. It's funny. They're talking about who's going to be the goat. Who's going to be the greatest of all time? John's over there. He says, well, you know, Jesus loves me most. John wrote the book of John. Isn't it funny that he referenced himself in second person to say Jesus loved John more than anyone else? That's like, that's like me writing a book 50 years from now about the history of this church. And uh, I say, uh, Trey was the greatest pastor of the exchange church ever. Right? That's kind of funny. John's over there. He said, you know, Jesus loves me the most. I'm definitely going to be the greatest of all time. And then Peter pipes up. You know Peter, man. I love Peter. Peter is so much like me. He says so many things he probably shouldn't. And I just know that Peter, as it's coming out of his mouth, he's like, oh, oh, oh. I do that on occasion, sometimes. Peter's over there, and he says, oh, John, you think Jesus loves you the most? Well, check this out, man. Jesus walked on water and called me out onto the water with him. I'm the greatest of all time. The other disciples snicker. Peter, bro, you only made it five feet, then you started sinking. And Peter says, "Yeah, and and Jesus picked me up. If if you turkeys were out there sinking, he would have just let you drown. I'm the greatest of all time." Then Bartholomew speaks up. He goes, "Hey, yeah, bro, I am totally the greatest of all time." And all the other disciples said, "Bro, who are you? We don't even we're not even sure you're a disciple." Bart. And so, in this discussion of the greatest of all time, Jesus doesn't really kick against it. He just picks up a towel and begins to serve. You want to be the greatest of all time? You want to be the goat? Learn to be the greatest servant of all time. Learn to love people more than they deserve to be loved. Learn to be more patient with people than they deserve the patience that you give. I I love the fact that you and I can actually serve and be more like Jesus simply by bringing a lunch, offering a ride and carrying a towel. Here's what I also love in Matthew 25. I'll close with this. In Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the end of the age. And he says, in fact, I'll just pull it up. It's not in my notes. And I really hope it's in Matthew 25. Yes, Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, He will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Let us not be caught up in our own security of being the greatest of all time. The reality is, you are brilliant and you are awesome and you are wonderful and you are His handiwork. But never think truly that it's simply because of you, it's because of who He is through you. It is not because of what you can do, it's what He has done for you. So on Super Bowl Sunday, when Tom gets another ring, I want to encourage you to serve one another. Serve one another. Now, I know you thought this was gonna be a sermon about more people in the parking lot, more people in children's ministry, more people being greeters and ushers. And trust me, we, we would love to have you serve, but the reality is more than anything, we want you to have a servant's heart. Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in the life of this church. And I thank you for so many of these people. As I look across the room, God, so many people that just truly have a heart to serve other people, to serve the homeless as we did yesterday, to serve other people that attend this church, to serve teenagers in the juvenile system that that need someone to believe in them. God, to serve the elderly in the nursing home. To to serve the people on the street that are wrestling with their own addictions. God, to serve the business leaders and corporate executives who are sitting high financially, yet they are sitting so low without you. God, let us just serve people. Let us serve them with the strength of a Savior who serves us every single day. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, P.S. Lord, thank you so much. New New England Patriots winning today. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: God bless you guys. We love you
0: so much.